The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Once again, to it came from the radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. Uh, we are here live on tape in front of our live studio audience <laughs> at the Samania Mall, courtesy of the East Meadows Public Library. The show is Mark Torres speaking. I am here with our special guest, who we're going to be talking to, with, and about, which is awesome because he's here. It's Eddie Avilia. How you doing? From uh, Day One Comic, he is a writer, artist. What else do you do? Colorist. Uh, uh, the works. Yeah. The works. You yeah. do everything. Most of it, yeah. Do you edit? Do you cut the paper out? No. All but right. Most so of the we're going to talk to him in just a few minutes, but first, we're going to take it away with the news. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 24 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Uh, their next convention is going to be on April 4th and 5th of 2020 next year, uh, although this will probably be aired. Uh, next year, so the this year, uh, and the headline will be none other than original Green Ranger Jason David Frank. So if you guys want to be in on that, that is uh, what they're all about. And also, I want to give a shout out to our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Two Sentence Horror, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, and Shadow Rabbit Art. If you guys want to have your own little shout-out on our show, go to www.patreon.com, look up It Came From Radio on the search bar, and you too can have a shout-out for just a dollar a month. And now let's take it away with the news. As we start off, it's uh, sad news. So, sad news. Carol Spinney, the original Big Bird, has died recently of dystonia, uh, which is a neurological movement disorder. Uh, in addition to portraying Big Bird, for almost 50 years, Carol performed as Oscar the Grouch. Of note, Carol collected five Daytime Emmy Awards and received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences in 2006. Uh, Carol stopped getting inside the Big Bird costume in 2015, and it had become too physically demanding for him to work for the costume. Uh, but he continued to provide the voice that the character and Oscar until his retirement in 2018. Uh, turns out that the entire time in the suit, if you're familiar with uh, Big Bird, and who's not, um, he had to hold up his right arm, is this one, uh, to work the head and mouth above his head straight up the entire time, and inside had his left arm and the left wing. So that's how he worked Big Bird the entire time in the suit. Uh, there was also a script and a monitor attached to the belly inside the Big Bird outfit so he can read and see what's going on as he performed. That's kind of amazing. Um, impressive. In addition to that, Carol was invited as Big Bird to travel on the Space Shuttle Challenger in 1986 to promote interest in science amongst children, but was forced to stay behind when NASA realized that there wasn't enough room for his costume. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, that was the shuttle that exploded 73 seconds into his first flight, killing all seven crew members uh, aboard. So he, that would have been him. He could have died 
in the space shuttle. I mean, it was tragic enough. Does we guys remember how that yeah. the space shuttle yeah. Challenger? Can you imagine if Big Bird was on that and it blew up? Like, that would traumatize kids forever. Yeah. Um, Dodged a bullet. Yeah, he really did. Like, and then he managed to live on all these years later, and, and now he uh, passed away at 85. So he was a young 85. Uh, he was just actually at the, uh, the Eternal Con uh, this past year, which was in a Nassau Coliseum. And it was kind of cool just seeing him there, and, you know, out of the costume. But it was just weird, and um, I, I'm reminded of when uh, Jim Henson died, and that was as a kid. It was just seeing all of the puppeteers actually there in the funeral that they had on television. It was kind of weird seeing the people with the puppets the first time you actually saw how it worked instead of the magic of television. So that was uh, that's something. Uh, everybody's a Big Bird fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lost art. Yeah, I, can, I can't imagine just. Just when I when I when I did that right now, like just doing that for hours and hours a day, and just doing the performance art was mind-boggling to me. Uh, more sad news: uh, actor Philip McKeon, sis, uh, sister of Facts of Life star Nancy McKeon, also died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. Uh, Philip appeared in such films as Return to Horror High. 976 Evil Part 2, The Astral Factor, and Ghoulies Part 4, just to name a few. On the small screen, Philip appeared in such shows as, here we go, Chips, Leadfoot, Fantasy Island, the original one, Love Boat, The Amazing Stories, and Favorite Son, of course, Philip is best known as Tommy in a TV series Alice, starring in 108 episodes of the 1976 to 1985 series. Anybody watch Alice back in the day? Yes, no? Only Alice doesn't live here anymore. That was uh, with Mel Ziner. Yeah. It was a comedy. So, he was a young 55. Uh, so, moving on, more sad news. Last bit of sad news. Uh, it's kind of a weird sad news. Uh, usually, we talk about you know, celebrities and whatnot. But uh, Michael Lamper, who is the husband of actress Marita Cernus, best known as her role for Counselor Troy in Star Trek and film TV series, has also died recently in his sleep. And also, as of this recording, no official cause of death has been released. The reason I bring this up is that I actually have a story about her husband way back in the 90s. Um, I was at a convention in Manhattan. I was at the Penta Hotel. And back then, they had, um, you got to meet all the Star Trek celebrities. It was a creation convention. And she was a headliner. Marina Sirtis, Counselor Troy was a headliner, so we all had to go and see her. And she came up, and first of all, I found out that uh, she was British, and she had a British accent. And when she came up on stage, you know, she was, she was the, the, the girl for, for, all, for all us young guys. And she came out, and she was like, oh, you know, thank you for being a fan of being my show. And by the way, here's my husband. And the husband walked out. And you have a room full booing this man <laughs> because he was her husband. It's just the funniest thing, like, wow, she, she didn't expect it was going to happen. Can you imagine if you're, you're like, oh, this is my wife doing a job, and you come out and the entire audience <laughs> booing you. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, so he was uh, 61. The Star Trek fan in the house? Any Star Trek fans? Just no, yay? Bye, down. <laughs> there you go. All right. Little Star Trek fan. You a Star Trek fan? Uh, no. No? No. Oh, I never really watched. You a Star Wars fan? Star Wars fan. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He always had to be one or the yeah. other. <laughs> Alright, so moving on to more happier news. Uh, from the, it works for Arnold Schwarzenegger, it works for The Rock, but it is not working for you, Dave, department. My Spy, 
the upcoming action comedy starring Dave Bautista has been pushed back for a third time. Uh, turns out, the film, which is described as <clears throat> a hardened CIA operative who has been demoted, finds himself at the mercy of a precocious nine-year-old girl named Sophie, where he has been sent undercover begrudgingly to surveil her family. When Sophie discovers hidden cameras in her apartment, she uses her tech savviness to locate where the surveillance operation is set. In exchange for not blowing uh, Dave's cover, Sophie convinces him to spend time with her and teach her to be a spy. Despite his reluctance, he finds he is no match for Sophie's disarming charm and wit. As originally slated for an, October, an August 23 release of 2019, before being pulled and then moved once to January 10th, 2020, and then again to March 13th, 2020. Uh, for those of you not paying attention, uh, Dave Bautista was most famous uh, for being uh, Drax the Destroyer in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And much like Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Rock, they tried the action movies and then they have to go with the kid movie to get that audience. And then they of course get that big stardom. So Dave is still trying to make his way up the ladder, but with them pushing this movie back is not a good sign for him. And his last starring movie, which was called Stuber, made a quote-unquote disappointing $32 million at the box office. So right now, the studios are worried, very concerned. Did you see Stuber? I wanted to. You wanted to see I Stuber? I did. I didn't want to. And why did you not see Stuber? I didn't have the time. That's, that's a good excuse. I would have made time. You would have made time? I would have, but it just, I just couldn't get to it. But I did want to see it. All right. Because it was with the other guy from uh, Silicon Valley. Yes. Yeah. Looked good. Looked funny. Obviously, I haven't seen it yet, but still haven't seen it. No, no. Well, I don't think it's out yet on uh, on DVD, on or, DVD or anything. Yet. Yeah. Maybe. All right, that's yeah. that's a good excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Live to the audience. Did we uh, see Stuber? Any interest? This. Look at this. This is this is, this is great. This is why. S T U B E R Stuber. So it's a joke. It's supposed to be an Uber, and uh, he's. It looks really wacky, funny. It does look funny. Some wacky uh, stuff because he's a, was a, a detective or something. He's like a police officer. Yeah, and he's yeah. trying to chase down somebody and uses an Uber because he can't use his yeah. car. And, and hilarious antics ensue. Yeah. Right. So $32 million. I think it was in and out of the movie theater too really quick. It, it really was in and out very, very quick. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. So moving on. From the if Netflix didn't do it, Disney was going to anyways department. Disney has announced that Marvel Studios is phasing out Marvel TV following a slew of cancellations and the exit of Marvel TV head Joseph Loeb. In light of this, several major executives have been laid off, including Senior Vice President of Animation and Family Entertainment, Vice President of Current Series and Development, as well as the producers of the Punisher Netflix series, Daredevil Netflix series, and Cloak and Dagger, which I think is on Hulu, maybe? Hulu, uh, Amazon? No, that's, I think, on WB. Yeah, Cloak and Dagger? No, yeah. it's, on, it's on a... Uh, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I think it's, it's on, uh, it's on a Amazon, streaming yeah. service. Yeah. Um, executives say, this decision has been made to complete Marvel TV products that are currently in production, but not continue any further development. The move follows the expansion of Marvel Studios president, Kevin Feige, who pretty much 
made the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, his role at the studio. So now he's Marvel's chief creative executive officer and will now oversee all of Marvel's creative personnel with keys in film, TV, and publishing reporting directly to him. So now he's in charge of all the TV shows, all the anime shows, he's in charge of everything because of which he decided to fire the separate department of TV. We have any Marvel TV fans? Was it Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Runaways, uh, Daredevil stuff? Nothing. Man! <laughs> You're a Daredevil fan, Punisher fan, Netflix stuff. I like Luke Cage. I like Luke Cage. Luke Cage. I like Luke Cage. Daredevil. Luke Cage. Daredevil. There you go. So, if you guys remember, Netflix decided to cancel all that stuff ahead of time because Disney was making their own streaming service, and so now when that's out the way, apparently Marvel was going to get rid of that before and make their own stuff, whatever. So I think that's kind of a smart that Netflix decided to get ahead of it. And they really weren't the bad guys after all. Uh, moving on. Let's see. Ooh, okay. From the rumor mill department. For those of you not keeping track, the film rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street have recently reverted back to this estate of Wes Craven, the creator of Nightmare on Elm Street. Which means that, based on early reports, a new Nightmare on Elm Street film is being, cons is being considered, what? bringing back none other than the original Freddy actor Robert Englund reprising the role of Freddy Krueger. Uh, Robert had already reprised his role in a recent episode of The Goldbergs on ABC. Anybody watch The Goldbergs? Any Goldbergs fans? There we go. So you saw him be as Freddy? Yay? No? Alright. Uh, last time Freddy was seen on the big screen was in the 2010's remake of the original Nightmare with Jackie Earl Haley uh, taking over this particular role. Uh, that movie didn't do so well. Nothing else came out of it. So the rights go back to the estate. So, by a round of applause, do you guys want to see a new Nightmare on Elm Street film with Robert Englund as Freddy? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. He was yes. in Freddy vs. Jason. That was his last time on the big screen, and then they decided to give it to somebody else. I think Freddy still got it. Um, I'd be interested to see what they do, and I think that Robert England has been so tied to the character, he knows what the character would do, how it would be. So I think it might actually be good, as opposed to the last um, uh, Friday the 13th movie, which was like a reboot, and that was terrible. So let's see what happens, and hopefully uh, it'll be even better. Alright, moving on to the I'm glad I didn't buy a ticket to go department. Uh, Image Comics just canceled a comic book signing event that was scheduled to be held yesterday, December 10th, as of this recording, uh, at the I Like Comics store in downtown Vancouver. This would have been the first time that all current Image creators Robert Kirkland, uh, creator of The Walking Dead, Eric Larson, creator of Savage Dragon, Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, Mark Silvestri, creator of Cyberforce, Eric Stephenson, creator of Nowhere Man, and Jim Valentino, creator of Shadowhawk, would be under one roof. So this is a big deal. So a lot of collectors would be going out there to get their stuff signed wow. in Canada, and then they cancel it a day before the event happens, which is awesome. Um, Image says this cancellation was due to a few of the partners coming down with the flu and the decision was made to ensure that the signing of the event uh, to be optimum positive energy experience for fans eager to meet them. I Like Comics says, I Like Comics is saddened to hear that the Image partners current health limitations but we are looking forward to a January event of the same scale and perhaps with more cheer and bandwidth 
as we will be clear of the holiday hustle. Any Image fans in the audience? Image Comics? You know, hey, yep. what guy here? <laughs> so I think it's kind of cool that they decided to basically have like a mini, mini convention if you have all the, the headliners of Image Comics there. But now for all those people that bought tickets or hotels, it's going to Canada. It's not like it's going down the road. Now the event is canceled and I'm sure that the hotels, well it is Canada so maybe they are accommodating, but that's a lot I of money <laughs> wasted to go to that. So let's think, well, let's think of it if you go to a, any convention. Uh, we use New York Comic Con since we're in New York. Biggest second biggest convention in the entire United States. And you go there and then they're like, nah, there's no celebrities. They're not going to cancel, you know, you still got to pay, you still got to go, and the hotels and all that stuff, they're not going to give you your money back. So it's kind of a, I mean, yes, they're sick, and yes, they don't want to get you sick, but still, they should have, I always felt some type of like compensation when things like this happen. Should be another option. As an artist, Eddie, <laughs> do you think that um, if you were sick, would you like give something to the event organizer as like a consolation that you are not going to be there? Is that something that you think would be uh, financially feasible and something nice to do? I mean, these guys are top dogs, so they probably could give something, like a piece of artwork that could, you know, easily, even if you do a raffle with that, with the people who were supposed to be there, so like the that money. prize would be an amazing, yeah. an amazing prize. Yeah. So I think that they should try something like that, but, yeah. you know, it's Canada, so maybe they're nice enough, as they say, Canadians are nice, How you doubt they'll, it. They'll, they'll take care of that. <laughs> and finally, from the final bit of news, all right. From the, that must have been some banana department. <laughs> Alright, so follow me on this one. Italian artist Maurizio Catalan in an art gallery took a banana, a real banana, and duct took, duct, took some duct tape and slapped it onto a wall in an art gallery and called it the comedian. The art, which was recreated three times, so he took another banana, another piece of duct tape, slapped it on, and sold that uh, three times. So the first one was sold for $120,000. The second one was sold for $150,000. And the third one was on display at the aforementioned gallery in Miami. So, some guy who is a uh, social media uh, artist went up to the image and took the banana <laughs> off the wall, ripped it right off the wall in the gallery in front of everybody and ate the banana, calling it an art performance. He ate it, it's on social media, and he said that the banana tasted like $120,000. <laughs> but the man was not arrested nor charged. However, he was escorted out of the museum. The museum says, quote, he did not destroy the artwork. The banana is the idea. The value of the work is in the certificate of authenticity. The banana was always meant to be replaced. So sure enough, a replacement banana was taped back on a wall almost 15 minutes after being eaten. Wow. What? <laughs> what, do you think of, what do you think of that? So you get a banana, some, some, you know, you get a bunch for like what, five dollars maybe? Less than five dollars or a bunch? And you stick it on the wall, you get a roll of, you can get a roll of duct tape for a dollar at the dollar store, and stick it on a wall in an art gallery. And somebody thought this was awesome, and they commissioned him to do another piece of that. $120,000 for a banana and some duct tape. $150,000. $150,000 for a banana and duct tape that somebody now has in their home. 
And then this other guy just comes along and just rips it off and eats the banana. And this is a banana. And this is right. This is a right banana. This this happened. Who's going to do that? Yeah. What was going to do that? It was an art performance. It's definitely not a starving artist. It was a well, yeah. That's that's the whole idea. It's a it's a it was an art performance that they turned the art with somebody completely different. Decided to just take the banana off, record it, and say that that also is art. Because the banana is just a banana, and the idea of the banana represents the artwork. That's... I just wonder if it was planned. I don't know. Um, according, to the, according to the internet, it says it was not, not planned, planned. But you never, you never know. But the fact that the certificate of authenticity and that the, what the banana represents is worth more than the actual banana and the tape is mind-boggling to me. We were just talking about this before the yeah, show no, about how art is very art. <laughs> subjective. And as an artist yourself, yeah. are you now upset that you're drawing and doing all the stuff? You just could put a banana on your table yeah. and sell it for $120,000 at conventions or just do commissions. You can do like a fruit bowl and you can do $250,000. I mean, like you said, I mean, if somebody's willing to pay for that much for the art, then... And I'm, I, I, I don't really know too much about this artist. i got to do a little research, but has um, he, he been is around the, a long time? He, he is the following? artist that made the, um, the solid gold toilet. Mm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's yeah. the solid gold toilet that has been stolen yeah. twice, from what I heard from, from the gallery. But that's... that's, that's so he's yeah. like a... So he's got interesting... He has a quirky yeah. name yeah. artist, but still... Is that, as an artist, would you, with any type of integrity, do something like that? Yeah, it takes guts to do something like that and charge no, so, that much money. So if somebody I came don't think, to you... It's not my, not my taste. But if, but if somebody came to you as an artist yeah. and said, I want to commission you... To put to, a piece of tape on a banana? Tape a banana, sure. you would do it. Yeah, of course. You wouldn't be like, no? No, I'm not going to say no. Right, and look how much felicity he's getting right now. That is true. Yeah. All right, so audience, would anybody in the audience pay $120,000 <laughs> for this piece of for a banana? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, so now the question is, would anybody take $120,000 to put a banana on some tape on a wall? Hell yeah. Yep. All right, there you go. There it is. So there's, the money does not go to charity. It goes, well, it goes to the charity of he wants to pay his bills or goes to the bank that he goes <laughs> So that's it for the news. We're going to take our break, and we'll be right back. Came for a deal in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. yeah! Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, everybody. This is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hi. You've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or a product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey guys, want to impress everyone at your next party? Shock them all with a custom cake. Anything goes. Classic wedding cakes to wild party themes. Follow my social media for weekly videos and photos. We're a Long Island based cake shop. Custom Cakes by Christy Incorporated. K R I S T Y. Call or text anytime. 631 606 8166. This is Carrie Steller from In the Girls Corner, and you're listening to It Came from the Radio. 
Now, back to our show. This is Bookworm Batson on It Came from the Radio. Today's book is Dragon Pearl by Yoon Ha Lee, presented by Rick Riordan. In this story, Min is our teenage heroine. And the special thing about her is that she has fox magic. She has the ability to shapeshift into a fox, to charm people. And in this world that she lives in, this is a uh, ability that has to be hidden. As in the past, they were tricksters or pranksters. Other than that, she's a normal girl who's waiting for the time to come for her to be of age to take um, a test to join the special forces. Now, she has an older brother, June, who she idolizes. He's a member of the special forces, and she wants to follow in his footsteps. She lives on Jinju, and in a few lines, the author ha effectively conveys how drab her life is. I mean, she's living a drab life. She's farming sad vegetables. She's sleeping in a threadbare blanket. I mean, it's a dismal life. In a few moments of reading this, I too wanted to leave and join the Thousand World Space Forces to join her brother and traipse off into the outer space. She is living a normal life, and then one day an investigator comes to their home. And he is accusing her brother of abandoning his post to pursue this magical dragon pearl. This is a pearl that says to have the magic or ability to transform an entire planet in a day. This wasn't a full book. This was actually a chapter, a sampler chapter from the book that I'm reading and I have to tell you it was wonderful. I want to know what happens next. I mean, this investigator, he comes to the house. The brother's accused of abandoning his post to pursue the Dragon Pearl. I mean, which is a disgrace to the family. And in a matter of a few sentences, she gives them a frying pan upside the head. He's knocked out. Before you know it, her aunts want to send her off to another planet and and or I guess another place and based on what I'm reading here I get the impression that that place is just as drab as Jinju so it ends where she puts her bags on her back and she takes off to go looking for her brother I want to know what happens next I can tell you that reading this exclusive chapter sampler it was interesting it was fast-paced the world building was wonderful I want to know what happens next. What's the next piece of excitement? I can't tell you if the book itself is a 5 or a 4 or a 3 or whatever, but I can tell you that this first chapter that I read, this introductory chapter, is 5. I mean, this gets rated 5 foxes. I mean, I, I don't know how to do a fox sound, so you'll get... It's a five. 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 I hope that sounded foxy. Um, I recommend it. Read it. Read it. Read it. This book, five solid. The chapter, solid five. If you want your book to be reviewed, send it to Bookworm Batson, care of It Came From The Radio, Post Office Box 134, Rosedale, New York, 11422. Now, back to our show. And 
And we are back with Kane from Reddit, Fisher Lee, Big Apple Clown, Joe's Mark Torres speaking in our front of a live studio audience. Yeah! At the Samanya Mall, courtesy of the East Meadows Public Library. I am here with artist, all around cool guy, but not a, a banana taper. No. Um, Eddie Avilia. <laughs> so, Eddie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the world of comics? And I know you have a book, so tell us about all that. So, let's start off with the basics. Who are you? How did you get involved in the comic book world? Well, I got, I, um, I graduated Parsons School of Design many, many moons ago and went a completely different direction. So I got a career in something else and then about... Were you selling cars? No, no, no. Oh, all right. I was uh, selling stuff, but not a diff totally different career. Okay. So I started seeing ideas that I had in college become like big things and I was like oh you know I had something similar to that maybe if I worked on it then could have been something so I just started writing and then um, started drawing again I literally took off 15 years of drawing I didn't pick up a pencil wow. for 15 years well isn't the point of going to Parsons School <laughs> to do art yeah, like, nah, I don't want to do that. I was a, I'll stay in debt. I don't want to do that. You know what it was? I I, I was a traditional oil painter, and oh. when I graduated, this might be dating me a little bit. It was the explosion of Photoshop. So all illustration work became a uh, a person in, on a desk. You know, so it was putting a bunch of pictures together. Boom! There's a movie poster. So the jobs for an oil painter who could paint likenesses was just gone overnight pretty much yeah so it was and at the time i really wasn't into technology so i really didn't really work it too much i, I liked the pureness of of art and um i just went a different direction were as a kid were you like i want to be an artist yeah I, I i was drawing since i was little wow and in high school that was like my major i was made uh, an art major and i uh, got my portfolio together i got you know, a scholarship to Parsons. You know, so it was a scholarship too. Yeah. So you were you were set to be. I could have, I, yeah. I mean, and yeah. then the digital age came in. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and destroyed all, crushed it. Well, it, it. It just it did for me. Like well, I mean, there's, there's other artists. Yeah, there's other artists that definitely had success right. even with that as a as a hurdle. But um, for me, it did. So I just went a different direction. And at the time, like if you think about it. An oil painting on a comic book would be an amazing thing. Oh, yeah, it's thing. great guys doing at, it now. Right. Yeah, that are, so at the time, it was just not happening. Yeah. It's so, uh, another missed opportunity. <laughs> so you come along, and then you, you, as the years pass by, you see ideas. And it's just happened to me. Like, I, when I was a kid, I used to tape all my shows because I was busy working at Blockbuster at the time. Right. A kid, Blockbuster. So I didn't have time to watch my shows while I was at home, so I used to tape them. And I used to watch him, and I got home. So basically, I kind of invented TiVo. <laughs> and then TiVo's invented. I was like, I yeah. thought of that. So yeah. it's like you had yeah, ideas. Indirectly, you thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you had ideas. So what idea did you think of that was like, oh, that, was, that, was, that could have been me? Well, the funny thing was, my, the, I, I'm big into martial arts. Like, I always, since I was 16 years old, I was always training. And, um, and I remember in, in, in college, I was taking a film course, and I was... That was talking. This is this is not even art. This was just like a film project right. that I was thinking of, and I was like, "Oh, we should do like a zombie movie with a with a sick dude with a sword, like crushing." This is back in 
Um, issue two and three are very limited and they're sold out already. Uh, issue one, I still have decent amount, not too much. I'm hoping by the end of next year they'll, they'll be sold out. But what I'm going to do is also my artwork, because I started drawing again about three years ago, three and a half years. My artwork has leaped, you know, since I released the book. So sometimes I cringe <laughs> looking at the book. I'm like, oh, that anatomy is off. And now, especially when you practice something and you keep practicing, you get better and you see those things. So um, what I'm going to do, my plan is to just do the entire book this year coming up. I'm going to illustrate it all, just pencil. I'm going to pitch it to whatever publishers I can. And if none of them are interested, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a graphic novel, release the whole thing, and then that's it. Yeah. So when you first came up with the idea, was it always I'm going to have a full beginning, middle, and end to the story? Yeah, yeah. Or was so you were definitely yeah, I know where it ends. Yeah, yeah. As you go on, and as time changes, and the world changes through all this time, mm -hmm. does your thoughts also change to how the story will end, or is it just this? No, I have I have the ending. I have the ending that I want. Um, maybe some. Things in the middle might change a little bit, but I'm pretty I'm pretty solid with what I, where I want it to go. So when you're doing something like this, and it takes a while, and like I said about the time happening, and we just talked about where you come up with an idea that someone else already right, comes right. up with. What happens if you run into something that you see on TV or something that takes I already an have, idea? and it's fine. You it, just, it is what it is. You know, listen, it, it you can It's not a race because when you start racing, I feel that that's when you start like missing. You know, you start kind of making mistakes. So, and I did fall into that trap too, where I was like, I got to get this out right away, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I'm, I'm just going to do it at my own pace, you know. So you draw it, pencil it, you I, ink it? I do every, I did everything. I did the, the, the writing, the, the penciling, the inking. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And uh, I did not do the coloring because you got to let go a little bit. You got to let other, like, you know, Creators do, you know, other artists do a little bit of work. Plus, it would just take me forever. So, I, and I don't digitally color. I, if I was going to color, I would either do color pencil or oils or some sort of like you know marker or something. So it would just take too long. So I, I, I just get it digitally colored. And the, also the the um, lettering gets done by someone else too. So you, you edit your own work. Edit? Yes. I do edit my own work. Um, How does that work? I like, have some friends that I, I have. That I've are read they a lot of books. Official editors? Yeah, I've they... read a lot of books where they say you should get you let two at least two people see your stuff from the outside and let them give you your opinion. If you you do too many people, it gets just too convoluted and it gets a little too crazy. But uh, I did let two of um, two of my friends kind of read it and give me their opinion. So I took some of that. But I think what I'm going to do for this. For the graphic novel, I might get, when I'm done illustrating, get an editor, and we just go through it, see what pages need to be either fixed or taken out or, you know, try to condense it. And you said that the plan now is that when it's done, to try to get it either a TV series or animator or a well, movie or something, right? Well, that would be like the end goal. It would be nice. But what I want to do is get it published. Right. So okay. if I could get someone to publish it for me, which I believe could happen... I could. I, I feel that it, it it could happen. Then that would be, that would be perfect. If not, then I would probably just do a Kickstarter campaign like I did with this one. Right. I was fully funded, which was great. Actually, overfunded, and um, and now with a little bit more following that I have, I think I could 
get to my goal, see how much it would be cost to make the graphic novel, and then go from there. So when you decide to, to make your own comic book, do you decide that, A, I'm going to self-publish right off the bat? Yeah. You're like, let me try to shop it to other people no, first. No, I went Always. straight to self-publish right so, off so the bat. So what was the idea behind that? Because you did this three years ago. Yeah. And as of now, as opposed to... 15 years ago, there's a plethora of comic book companies out there. Yeah, there there's is so a lot many more. out there. And honestly, it was just, I didn't really know how to approach that. But I knew about Kickstarter and I knew, and I was like, you know, let me give that a, a whirl and see what happens. And I was lucky enough to, to get fully funded, which was nice. So let's walk through the Kickstarter uh, process. How, do you, how does one decide to start on that? Do you have to contact them and they tell you? It's a website. Story? You just put your stuff up. You, you do certain levels of what people are investing in. So I had the initial level was issue one. It was five bucks. And then every level I did more perks. I did like uh, limited edition prints and all that type of stuff that were related to the book. Now, was the book actually done when you did the Kickstarter? Oh yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. A lot of artists don't do that. Yes, I've heard yeah, about that. They don't. They'll do the work after they get um, the money. The money, yeah. I I had pretty much six issues laid out by that point. So how many issues in total is it going to be? Seven. Well, seven? right now I have drawn about ten. Okay. Which I'm going to redraw all of that. Right. <laughs> work. I redrew issue one twice already, but um, but it'll probably be about 250 pages. Wow. That's my goal so, if I'm going to do the graphic novel. Right. Yeah. So when you, when that happens and it's out into the world and you're finished with that, then what's next? I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, right now I'm I'm getting really good feedback on my art. I actually just got my first slash Marvel slash Upper Deck gig where I'm, I'm going to be on the cards for next year. Oh, that's awesome. So that's gonna you know a random person will get an original piece of art for me, so that would be nice. You know, so I'm getting good feedback from that stuff. I have an art rep, which helps tremendously. So I'm hoping to get build up my name. If I could get published with one of the big three, where I'm doing a cover or doing you know something that's a little bit more popular and get my name out there a little bit more, it'll help my book. You know. So the end goal is to help the book. Is yeah. What you want. Right. So. I've talked to many um, publishers out there, many guys who sell comics throughout the years. And as the world has changed, because that's one of the things we right. do, we've been doing a show for quite some time, and it's weird how the world changed from when we started to right. now. So even you, from when you uh, left Parsons to right. now, it's a completely, completely totally different, different world. Yeah. So at, uh, if you're going only to conventions and you're trying to sell your book, you might have noticed that a lot of people who had books are switching over to prints. Right. And I know you also do prints. Yeah. So is the prints just another another thing just to get more attention to your book? Yes. Or is that just going to It's be just it? more it's just to to get people in to engage, you know, and 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 to build, you know, uh, a fan base, I guess, you know. You know, just to get followers and get people who and it's and it's that's and it's fun, you know. It's first of all it's fun drawing these characters. I, these are all the characters that I grew up with, you know, I, I enjoy it. And if it's good enough, I'll put it, make a print, and I'll, I'll see if I can move it. So, but you decided to go one extra level, yeah. just a regular print. Right. Because <laughs> you have, as people can see in front of our live studio audience. <laughs> metal print. <laughs> it is a metal print. It is made out of metal. Why? 
did you decide to make a metal print? Honestly, it wasn't my idea. It was my art rep's idea. I thought that some of the images that I have would look really good, and he was right. Some of them do look really nice on, on the metal, and they've done well so far for me, yeah. He was right. So, <laughs> Thank you. So how, does, so how does that work? Is it just, it just you draw it the same way and then it gets printed yeah, on? Yeah, it's... Or is it's it a, you have to think of it no, in a different I, mindset? No, I, well... Like, like, well, I remember... Color scheme, you may yes. want to think about it a little bit different. But it was pretty much... I had already a couple images that I drew and the color scheme was perfect. So he felt that it could really pop. And they do. And are those things like sharp? You could poke somebody's eye out to like metal you could teeth. Probably, of, uh, yeah, you could probably definitely sharpen the corners and use it if you need to. <laughs> can, can, you, can you build something with that? It's like, yeah, it's, well, I won't, nothing it's sturdy. Not sturdy. You enough. could probably build a weapon out of it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, why don't you explain to people who may not know how difficult it is to be at a convention? Selling your book, trying to sell prints with a bazillion other people out there. Oh yeah, it's like I, I can I can say from my experience, it's one thing, and the fans just may not know what it's like to be on the other side of the table. Can you share your experiences on how that works? It's it's very intimidating, especially in the very beginning. I was like really intimidated, and again, I've been training for twenty plus years. You know what I mean, like. Like, I shouldn't, it's like going into a ring. It's like, oh my God, I felt like that's how it felt, you know? Like, especially my first time, I had no clue. I was completely green. Uh, I remember booking my first show, and I, I was so green that I didn't know. Like, uh, I was like, do I, is it per day that they're charging this rate? Like, I didn't, I, I had to, like, do a little bit of research. It was, like, insane. But it was very intimidating, very intimidating. Now, a lot of times I see, if you go to most conventions, one of the things they have is the do's and don'ts right. of, of doing a convention. Yeah, I read those books too. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. how much, so now, besides being an artist, you have to be a salesman. You have to yeah. sell yourself. You have to really put yourself out there. Right. Um, a lot of people, artists, they just kind of close in yeah. and they don't engage the audience. Yeah. How important is that it's to pretty, the case? Like It's pretty important. I read that in a couple books and I, you know, I am a salesman, so that I can do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it depends, you know. I mean, some guys, some artists are not very approachable and some are. And I've been lucky. I've met a lot of cool people, like, you know, neighbors, other artists. They've all been very welcoming and very nice and giving me pointers and giving me advice on what to do, what not to do. So it's, it's a cool community, you know. So let's see. Um... When's the next time you're going to be at uh, conventions? Uh, well, this is probably going to air in about a month. So I where will, are you going to be in 2020? I will be? be at uh, the AppleCon. Big Apple Con. I will Con. be at Big Apple. Um, I'm going to probably be in Chicago for C2E2, um, Seattle. Um, Have you done those shows before? Yeah, I did them last year for the first time. So what is the difference in um, the, the, the crowds? Because I, I remember I did a convention in Philly. Right. And I normally do a convention in New York. And it's like a complete different world. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, like in New York, I feel like I sell a lot more of my Spider-Man stuff, you know, a lot more. And then, like, in other places, it'll be, like, obscure characters. Or they'll ask for commissions for obscure characters. But um, but the one thing I could, that I, you know, could say that's been consistent is actually been selling my book. A lot of people are very supportive of independent, um, you know, projects. And I do a collector pack. 
so you get six copies, you know, because collectors like to get one or two copies of, yes. of an issue one. Yes. So you get three copies of my regular cover. You get I also did a sketch variant cover. You get one of those, and then you get two blank covers with original pieces of artwork uh-huh. on that. So, and I have that up on my website too. You can order it on the website, but a lot of people jump on that because they get an original art, you know, with that packet. So, speaking of collectability, mm-hmm. have you thought about getting your own books graded? I have, yeah. You have, yeah, yep. So how does how does that work? Like, shouldn't it be if it's coming from you? Shouldn't it be the highest grade possible? Uh, yeah, you would think I would get a high grade. I mean, you you make it and then you send yeah. it graded. It's not well, it's, anybody it, else's the, hands. The, the the grading is conditioning. So I got nine point sixes. I've and I've sold a bunch of those too. I like I graded a, a lot and I bring them with me. A lot of people like them. They they um they display nice, you know, and they're certified signed by me. So yeah. So, have you ever thought about getting your prints graded? I know they're doing that now. Because everything's graded that. now. Yeah, everything's graded. I saw that CGC is doing that now. I'm not. I'm not there yet. <laughs> you can charge one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, right. In theory, right? You know, you'd be the first metal print uh, in, a, in a case. Yeah. <laughs> they can't take it out ever, right? That's true. Yeah, and it keeps it in really, really good condition. <laughs> Put a banana on it. Exactly. <laughs> So um, you were nice enough to give out a print, yes, a spawn metal print. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how this piece of artwork yeah. came to be? Look at that. Oh, nice. Signed. Uh, you're a big fan of big fan of spawn. <laughs> big fan of spawn. Yes, yes, yes. I was. Well, you know, obviously, you know, Todd McFarlane was one of, uh, you know, when I was in my early teens, was an inspiration, art wise. You know, I really loved the way he he drew and he brought a different 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 style back then, you know, uh, so I was always, like, looking at his stuff. So when you look at comic book art, because at a, at a point in time, comic book artists did not know where comic book art came from. Right. And they were just imitating what they saw. Right. And then the images were less quality and less, you know, anatomy-wise. Right, yeah. Um, is that something that you went, because you have art, perf- uh, art trained. Right. So, but according, I'm looking at this artwork here. It has both new and old kind of artwork mixed in together. Yeah. Was that on purpose or just this how it just No, that's just kind of like how sometimes styles just come out. So that's what I'm I'm still I feel like I'm still figuring out my style like I'm not really fully at my style yet. Uh, so it's kind of like a mix of 90s like influence and proper anatomy influence, you know. So so that's kind of, you know, where I'm trying to get to. But um but yeah. So we're going to give away uh, this prize right here. Hey, he was nice enough to give it away. Everybody have a raffle ticket? Is there anybody who does not have a raffle ticket? <laughs> All right. Now pull out, and that is the winner of the grand prize. Whoa. Only take one. No, there you right. go. So I just read off the read numbers. Read off the numbers. Five four four six eight nine. Five four four six eight nine. There you go. Come hey, on. Yeah. That is yours. It is signed already. There you go. Thank you very much. And as an additional bonus uh, gift, thanks to the guys at the Big Apple Con, we're giving away two passes to the Big Apple Con, which is this weekend. So only people right here in the live studio audience, live studio audience, will be able to win two tickets to the Big Apple Con. And the winner is... The two tickets to the Big Apple Con? Uh, 544688. 688? 688? 
There's got to be somebody in this room. You sure you read the number right? 544688. Huh. <laughs> Maybe they got stuck together when you um, ripped their screen. Alright, so let's write it again. That's weird. <laughs> Kelly, you sure you have the right tickets? Sure, everybody has a ticket. So Alright, here we go. 685. 685. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the show, we'll get your name and we'll put it on the list for the Big Apple Con. So there you go. Alright, good job with that. So we're almost at a social media time. So where can people find out more about your stuff, more about your book, want to contact you? You do commissions, right? Yes, I do commissions. So you, you can always DM me on uh, Instagram. Uh, that's. Uh, that's why I put up most of my stuff. Uh, also, social media is a, it's like a job as well. It's like, I, I wish I could do more on that. But uh, it's Eddie Avila, Eddie underscore Avila Art. Spell Avila. A-V-I-L-A. And uh, you can also uh, look up uh, Day One the Comic on the Instagram and Facebook. And then day, and then we have a website, uh, com. So why is it called Day One? So the premise of the book, it starts off on day one, and um, every, every issue is a day. Oh. So issue two jumps to day 56. Oh. So, okay. And then when, and whenever I introduce one of my core characters, there's always a flashback to their day one. So you see what they went through on that first day. Okay, that's kind of cool. So each character that I introduce, you'll see what happened to them on that first day. So is it spoilery to find out what day is the last issue on? Um, I didn't do the exact calculation, but it's probably be around 300. All right. So you wrote, I mean, one thing we learned about writing yeah. is that a lot of stuff never makes it to the page. Right. A lot of stuff is backstory and things that, that, yes, that make yeah. sense. So mm -hmm. in, in your mind, did you write 300 pages, Well, uh, 300 days of story? Is what that... I did was, because again, you know, I dove into books to, of, of writing and screenwriting and all that stuff. So what I did was I actually wrote, just free wrote his entire life going back to his, um, going back to his grandfather. So he has a complete history, which I'm going to throw in little, little things. You know, so I wrote from his his grandfather all the way up to his his father and his birth. Right. And then now you have a person. You know what I mean? Like, so they say it's a good exercise to do is to write. You know, like free write about a person. You don't really want to base them on yourself or base them on on someone you know because you could get lost. So now you're writing for you. He's a person now, so you're writing for this person. So that's what I did, and and what I did was I. They, they, when you write, you should know the middle and the ending. So I kind of like have an outline of events that go all the way to the end. Oh, so and that's, uh, did you write a backstory for each character, like each, each main character? Each main character has a backstory, yeah. Wow, yeah. so if I asked you what was the name of the dog of the second character, you would know. If he had a dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. that's crazy. It's not, it's not as deep as the, my main character, but they have probably about 10 or 15 pages each. Wow. Um, <laughs> one thing about zombie movies, they only have realistically two endings. Right. Either they get cured or they all die. Right. Do you have a third ending or are we in, are we kind of in that agrarian? I, I, I do feel that I have a twist that hasn't been done 
and I wish hoping, I could share it. You're hoping it's not going to be done. <laughs> yeah, and I did, and I put it on the record with a couple people, so there's a couple right. people that know. That way, in case it does, does happen, because, right. you know, ideas, there's like 50 ideas out there in the world, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, there is a twist that happens that I feel has not been done yet in this genre, so I'm hoping that I could get to it before somebody else does. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, we have a few minutes left, so we have any questions from the studio audience? Yes, ma'am, what is your name? So, my name is Lisa. Lisa, what is your question for Eddie? All right, sir. Um, yeah, very quickly. Very quickly. How is that done? How is the metal It's done? just printed on metal print. It's yeah, yep, yep. It is just printed on. Yep, metal. I did. I did a pencil drawing. I inked it, and then it was colored digitally, and then it was printed on the on the metal. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. thank you. <laughs> we have any other questions from the live studio audience? Yeah, woo! Yeah. He was he was listening. Any other questions? Yes, sir. One one question. What's your name? Uh, Joe. Joe, what's your question for Eddie? Uh, by chance, would you be willing to do a? By chance, he's trying to steal an yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good job. Thank you for that. Uh, good job with that. And I'm yes. sure he's happy. I'm sure he's happy to promote himself as much as possible, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, Absolutely. good job. Um, um, Mark, I have to yes. So, so many compliments for asking that question about behind the table. Oh, there you go. All right, good job, good job. Um, so final thought. So... Final thought on um, your experiences. What 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 last bit of information? If anybody can take anything away from this interview or your or your story, what would that be? What's your final thought? Um, well, I, I, the one question they get a lot is like young young kids asking, oh, you know, like how do I get to this point? I mean, I'm I'm not like anything crazy special, but the one thing that I like telling them is don't do not stop drawing. <laughs> if you like to draw and that's what you like to do, just don't stop. You know, I stopped for 15 years. I kind of had to retrain myself again. And, and, you know, I was lucky enough that I was able to harness my skill back, you know. If you hadn't stopped, where do you think you'd be now? I don't know. I, I can't. I, I, those are the, the, the million-dollar questions, right? Like, where would the road take you? I'm very happy where the road has taken me now. Like, I have right. a family. I have kids. Like, there's nothing I would ever change. Um and I'm enjoying this process right now more than anything. So, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, that's about it for our show. Uh, my final thought is, I've known you for uh, probably almost all the three years. I've always seen yeah, you Yeah, pretty much since I started, yeah. Uh, it's, it's nice to see the progression uh, yeah, from, thank where, you. from where you yes. started to where we are now. Uh, thank you for coming down here. Oh, thank you for having um, me. I want to, once again, thanks to the live studio audience. Yeah! yeah. Uh, our next live show is going to be on January 8th. Right here at the Samania Mall, we're going to have the Mid-Island Comic uh, Show guys. They're going to be giving away free tickets to their convention. Um, we'll also probably have free tickets to the PowCon, which is also going to be in January. So going to show you guys. Yeah. Cross that. Is that the one in Brooklyn? That is the one in Brooklyn. I'll be at that one, yeah. be, So yeah. he'll be there. Yeah. So we're going to be giving away that. Um, I want to do a special shout-out to uh, Kelly Gordon and the East Middle Public Library. Thank you very much for that. So that about does it. For this week on It Came From The Radio, join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, go to our website, www.itcamefromtheradio.com. Listen to the archives which will be up in a week or so. We are on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. We have a YouTube page. Or we can be heard on such places as... Here we go. <clears throat> 
Overcast, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio, Google Play, iTunes, Breaker or Breaker, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, Soundcast, Acast, Castbox, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podmus, Luminary, Blueberry, Mixcloud, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Castro, Pandora, uh, we are an Alexa skill, or you can ask Siri to play our show and you can hear us. Nice. Um, thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.